This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Tech Guide, episode 395. Hello, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me once again, and welcome to any first-timers. We hope you become regular listeners. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Apple and Google have joined forces to create a coronavirus contact tracking technology. We'll explain it to you how you can avoid becoming a victim of the many cyber scams that are doing the rounds right now. And LG has announced pricing and availability of its 2020 8K and 4K TV range. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the affordable yet feature-packed Alcatel 3X smartphone. And you can create a home cinema with the new BenQ HD projector. And we'll take a look at the new controller for the upcoming PlayStation 5, which has just been revealed. And we'll answer all your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by our sponsors, Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Apple and Google, normally fierce rivals in the smartphone space, have actually joined forces. They've partnered up in these strange times where coronavirus has basically shut down the world and is forcing people to take all these precautions, social distancing, uh, washing our hands, all those things we need to do. Uh, and the thing, the thing that we, whenever, whenever someone tests positive to coronavirus naturally they're going to think of the people they might have come into contact with and that'll be probably their family and friends or whoever they happen to bump into. Now, what, what Apple and Google are doing here, they've created a technology that uses the Bluetooth in your phone to help track and hopefully reduce the spread of the disease. Now, how it works is this, right? It's called contact tracking. Now, every time your phone comes within range of another device, even for, for a few seconds, that phone that you pinged with your Bluetooth will go into a database. Now, what happens here where all these phones that you've pinged in your, in your movements... If you happen to test positive to coronavirus, all of the people on that, on that database, or their phones at least, will receive a notification that they've come, they may have come into contact with an infected person and they might need to be checked out. So it's, it's that, that's the basics of it. So your phone, in, when it comes in contact with another near another device, so within Bluetooth range, or I think within a few metres, and it will 
create this database. Now, it's an anonymous database. I'll talk about the privacy, transparency, and all everything Google and Apple are saying about this, as well as the reaction I've had to this story. It's remarkable what people are saying and the paranoia around it, but we'll, we'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. But here is a way for health officials to be able to track the spread of the disease. Now, I'll give you... Take the Ruby Princess as an example. This is the ship that docked in Sydney in mid-March. Was had, There were infected people on board. They let them off the boat anyway. People went interstate overseas. I think the, the, there's 15 people that have died just from that one boat, and hundreds are infected. If they had had this Bluetooth technology, this contact tracking, they would have been able to trace the exact path that the virus took. So... By having this this contact tracking, it will help keep health officials, I think, a step ahead. Because let, let's say I've tested positive, for example, to coronavirus. The, the first question they're going to ask me is, who did you come into contact with? And I'll naturally say, my wife, my kids, my parents, uh, my neighbour, not many people. But what I won't remember to tell them is that I stood in line for a coffee in front of a man. And I, I walked past a man on a run, or I, I walked past a woman. We spent a few seconds near each other in a shopping centre, a, a supermarket aisle. Or I was at the park walking my dog and they jogged past me. So those people, you, wouldn't, you don't know them to, for a start, so you wouldn't be able to even to say who they are and identify them as people you came into contact with because you don't know them and there's no way of keeping track of them. Well, now there is. So... That, that's basically how it works. Now, how it's going to work is, for, at first, it, the, the API, so the code is going to be developed. The reason Apple and Google are together on this is they want this to be a cross-platform technology. So not just for iOS, not just for Android, but for everybody. So virtually everybody will have the opportunity of taking part. Now, at first, when it's launched, it's going to be given as an API for developers so that people with health apps might be able to will be able to include this technology so say you might download the world health organization app or new south wales health department app and they'll have this ability to opt into this system to the contact contact tracking technology so at first it's an app and you opt in but what they're hoping for that in a month or two that this this feature this technology will become a core part of the iPhone and Android operating systems. So it's available to anyone who owns a smartphone and it'd be able to be activated within the device's settings. So that, that's, that's, that's the next stage. Stage one will be the app. Stage two will be being, become part of the operating system. Now, let's talk about the reaction this has had in terms of privacy. But bef no, before I do that, I'll just explain to you how it works and how it's not using GPS to track locations. It doesn't know your identity. So the, the what happens, the Bluetooth is used for the contact tracing, right? So the, the Bluetooth is involved. Now, what happens, the broadcast between the two phones is an anonymous key. So they don't know who you are. You don't know who they are. But there's a, a number that's registered to that device and a number for yours. So that, and that anonymous key, by the way, changes every 15 minutes. So rather than 
you having your identity in the database. It's you, you're just a number. So the what what happens? The the database that stores all these keys, if there's an if there's a match between say someone tests positive, they'll pull that number out of the database and they'll look up. Okay, number for one two three four five six seven came into contact with all of these phones, which are just numbers. There's no names. There's no addresses. There's no identities attached to those numbers. They are just data keys. So they're anonymous. So the, the number associated with phone 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 will receive a notification from the service that they're subscribed to, whatever app it happens to be, or if it's on their phone, and they'll receive a notification saying, Dear user, you may have come into contact with a person, maybe seek medical advice. So it's not saying, Dear Stephen, it wouldn't know who I am from Adam because I'm just a number to this system. Now, a lot of people are paranoid that, oh, this is just another ploy by Google and Apple to track our data and to make more money. They'll change the terms and conditions. The, you know, some of the reactions I've had on Facebook were actually pretty paranoid, if I've got to be honest. Uh, a lot of people saying, oh, count me out. I'm not doing, no way am I giving these people more access to my life to sell, was one comment. Uh, someone else said, nah, that's what they want you to think. The, 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 yes, it's still a no. Uh, and one, one person asked another question about, does the does your Bluetooth need to be on? Of course it needs to be on. And they said, is there a security issue? Well, having your Bluetooth on really is not a massive security issue. What's the biggest security issue is your cellular connection to a network. That's You're always connected to a cellular network. So technically your phone can be contacted anyway. So Bluetooth isn't going to really tip it over the edge. Bluetooth is a convenience feature rather than a communication feature. I mean, like a calling feature. So it, it's used obviously for your headphones and pairing devices, but in this instance, the, the short range of the Bluetooth is, is what's being used to track the, the other the people you come into contact with. So the, the people are saying that, that, that there, there's some apprehension around this thing where it uses probably, it collects less data than a Google search. If you're using Google, the amount of data this thing will, will use is, is nothing in comparison to that. And again, it's not tracing your location. It doesn't use your GPS. It's not using any of that, not using your SIM towers and trying to track your location and following you around. It's basically a tally of you. It'd be like you with a pad and pen going, going every person that comes within two metres of you writing down the, their phone serial number. And leaving it at that. Now, phone serial number can't be readily used to identify someone, a member of the public. Maybe a telco can, but that that's that that's how that's how the the, the literal version of you writing everyone that you come into contact with is writing a, a number down on a pad that represents that person. So it's not, it isn't. Don't be paranoid. It's not going to track you and do all this stuff. Apple have said quite transparently. And I'm going to actually read what they said in that. They had a joint statement, which is no surprise. They jointly said privacy, transparency, and consent. You've got to opt in. If you don't want to be involved, that's your good luck. You don't have to do it. But if you want to be to try to prevent the spread of this thing, and in case you get it, you get it, I think the the the, the natural thing to do would be to 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 obviously try to tell the as many people as possible that you came into contact with that you've got it. So here's a way of doing this anonymously. So here's what they said. Privacy, 
transparency and con- consent consent are of utmost importance in this effort. We look forward to building this functionality in, consult- in consultation with interested stakeholders. All of us at Apple and Google believe there has never been a more important moment to work together to solve one of the world's most pressing problems. Through close cooperation and collaboration with developers, governments and public health providers, we hope to harness the power of technology to help countries around the world slow the spread of COVID-19 and accelerate the return of everyday life. I think it's a it's a bloody good idea, and I, I, I'm as soon as it's available, I'm going to sign up to it. Uh, I hope you do as well. It will tr- it will keep us a step ahead. If there is a a positive test, people will know if they've been exposed and whether they need to be tested. Because if you without this, you could have it and not know it and be spreading it. But if you receive a notification to say you might you've been exposed you get tested you know straight away whether you've got it or not there's no mystery to it if if i've walked past some bloke in the supermarket and he's got it and i've got it and i don't know it for two weeks or ever i might not even show symptoms i'd, I'd prefer to know that i want the knowledge is power here knowing is power knowing is going to help solve this thing anyway you want to read the full story? There is a, a, an illustration there on how it works. I've, hopefully, I've explained it as well as well as I could. Hopefully, I've explained it so you can understand it. But if you do want to take it further, we hope you do. Head visit to our website. Check it out: techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. All right, in these strange times, I say that again, it is very strange times. There's a lot of people that are working from home, working outside the protection of their company's IT department, outside their firewall. And generally, there's just a lot of people online who are researching, trying to find out more information about coronavirus. So all those factors I just mentioned is creating the perfect opportunity for cyber scams. And these cyber criminals are out in force because they know, if for them, it's a buyer's market. There's all these people online. There's all these people working from home that, that aren't protected by their corporate IT firewall and all that that comes with it. And there's just so much curiosity about it. People are Googling information and trying to find as much as they can about it. That is the perfect mix for a cyber criminal. Now, we're going to take you through what to look for and how to avoid becoming a victim. But there have been uh, reported to the Australian Cyber Security Centre more than 45 cybercrime and cyber security incident reports, and every single one of them was linked to COVID-19 scams. So be very, very careful. So being able to identify these scams is one step further to you prevent you becoming a victim. So what do you need to look out for? There are three main ways that cyber criminals will try to trick you into giving up your identity or financial information. So here they're trying to steal stuff. They're trying to steal either your identity or your money or both. Here's what to look for. Three things. Number one, an urgent call to action. How many times have you received an email that's obviously a scam that says, uh, we need we need your information straight away. One example that I've seen is that a team member, one of your team members, has tested positive to coronavirus, uh, and 
we want to we, we, we want to study documents to take the next steps we need you to fill out these documents so we can keep you informed so if you haven't got your antennas up here you're thinking oh god okay I better give them all my information name address date of birth phone number all this information that could be potentially used to to steal your identity at the very least the worst even worse than that well as bad as that is if them stealing your money number two an offer that's too good to be true. Another example I've seen during the coronavirus dramas is the offer to transfer support funds. Now, we've seen people lining up around the block, unfortunately, at Centrelink, the government making all these these uh, arrangements for people to get JobKeeper and, and all this money to help keep them afloat and sustain them during this crisis. So imagine receiving an email that says, oh, look, we want to give you some money and we need to confirm your details are correct so we get it to you. So if, if you're not thinking here, you might think, oh, great, how good's this? I'm going to give them my details. Hopefully I'll get some cash. It'll help me pay the rent. So keep an eye out for that. If it's too good to be true, the, the rule of thumb is it is. It usually is too good to be true. Number three, and this is very well-known phishing email, is the impersonation of well-known organisations. We've already seen it. In this instance, we've already seen uh, emails. I've received them that appear to come from the World Health Organization. I even received an email that was from the CDC, or allegedly from the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, which was offering me uh, all kinds of links to click on to view the latest safety information, uh, to process a refund, to see if you're eligible for a payment. Now, the other things that are commonly impersonated are also things like telcos, banks, net... I've even had Netflix... Uh, email saying, oh, your account has been suspended. Please uh, fill out your details so we can reactivate your account. Now, what, what made it look to me like that was a bit of a scam or a huge scam was, A, the appearance of the email. Uh, B, it was sent to an email address not associated with my Netflix account. So they send, they spray these out. They send these by the millions. And if they get just a 0.5% of a return, it's lucrative still. That's why they just aim for the stars and hope to hit the moon. So that, that's why you really need to be careful. So here, here are the steps on how to protect yourself. This comes from the University of New South Wales. Their, uh, re, a researcher, Yenny Tim, which is a researcher of, of cybersecurity at the University of New South Wales Business School. This is, this is uh, Dr. Tim's tips on... How, what to look out for uh, if, to avoid becoming a victim of cybercrime. Number one, be careful of any email or SMS that asks you to do any of the following things. Open or download an attachment, click on a link or provide your data, which could even mean sending you to a fake website or replying to any email. So be careful. If, if they're asking you to do any of those things, open an attachment or download something, click on a link, provide your data, Red flags. Number two, avoid acting on emails on mobile devices. I find this really interesting because people are more susceptible to being fooled when they're mobile. If you're reading an email on a mobile device, it's harder to verify the legitimacy of that email. On, on your mobile, it looks like every other email. Rather, like on your, on your desktop email client, it, it, your email is a lot bigger and it's a, it's a bit easier to look at and to see the detail. But on your mobile, it's very it's harder to do that. Plus, 
when people are on their mobile, they tend to be more distracted when they're reading email. And they might not apply the same common sense attitude or the, the, that same level of scrutiny that they would if they were sitting at a desktop. So be wary of that. Number three, verify the sender and look for official announcements. If you receive an email, check who has sent it to you. Hover your mouse over the sender's name to reveal their real address. It's not uncommon to see email addresses have been have replacement or similar letters. They could appear to be from a name you can't even recognise. If they say they're from the Commonwealth Bank and their email address is something totally different, then the, that should be ringing the alarm bells loud and clear. So check that as well. But also, if you do receive an email from the ComBank to say, oh, your account's been suspended, don't believe the email. Ring the Commonwealth Bank and ask them yourself. Say, look, I received an email. Is this true? Is my account okay? And 99.9% .9 times out of 100, they'll say, yes, it's fine. Uh, so don't, don't take the email's word for it. Uh, number four, be wary of emails that ask for personal information. That's, I think, pretty obvious that a, 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 an organisation or a government department will never ask for a username and password to unlock an email attachment. Never, ever, ever. So don't ever, ever do it. I hope that you've uh, learned something there, that you can be keep, keep be mindful of these things. They're happening all around us. They're, these scams aren't going to stop anytime soon. They're, I've never seen more of them. Uh, I've got so much junk email, it's not funny. Hopefully, uh, you're handling it in the right way, but we've given you the tips right there for you to protect yourself. And if you want to go back and read, read everything that I just spoke about there, you can do that at techguide.com.au. All right, let's change gears a bit here. Let's talk about TVs. And it's TV is something that people have been becoming very close to in the last few weeks because they're watching a lot of it. They're not going out very much. They're staying home. They're binging Netflix. They're watching Stan. They're doing all kinds of things, watching TV to pass the time. And it is TV season. Uh, a little while back, we spoke about Samsung has released their new range of TVs. They've announced pricing availability. Uh, I think uh, Kogan has also released some large screen TVs. But last week, late last week, it was LG's turn to announce the pricing availability and screen sizes for its 2020 8K and 4K TVs. Now, we were with uh, LG. They were one of our, our partners to uh, at the Consumer Electronics Show. Back in the Electronics Show, back in the good old days when we actually travelled to places. We were in Las Vegas in January for the Consumer Electronics Show. Seems so long ago. It was only three months ago. And that was where LG uh, initially announced these products. Well, now they've come through with uh, release dates as well as pricing. We'll go through them in a sec, but... Just to give you a refresher, there's 8K TVs and there's also 4K TVs. And naturally, LG are the leaders in OLED technology. That's O-L-E-D, organic light-emitting diode TVs. That format has now improved not only viewing regular programs, but also for gaming. It is a great gaming platform if you uh, have an OLED TV and available naturally now in 8K and also 4K. Now, to lead the flagship, to lead the range, is a 8K TV, an 88-inch 8K TV, so a lot of 8s in that, 8K, 88-inch, 
OLED TV. Now, I hope you're sitting down for this, but the price for the OLED 88-inch, which is released uh, in May, is $71,999. That's If you've got a lazy $72,000, you can buy the 8K OLED 88-inch TV. And I've seen this TV, I have to say... It looked so real. I think I thought I was looking out of a window. It was just incredible, large screen, big screen, which is which we like, and 8K, which just looked absolutely remarkable. And OLED, the black levels were just blacker than black. Colors were amazing. But 72K, that's pretty good. They've got a 77K. If you're prepared to settle for a 77-inch. OLED 8K TV from LG, then that comes down to $35,999. But you're going to have to wait till June to get that. That's when it's coming in store. Uh, so pretty interesting there. But LG's 8K TVs aren't limited to OLED. They've also got a range. They've got their OLED range, and they've also got their nano cell range. Their nano cell range are more like your QLED, the Samsung QLED technology. That's what nano cell is. And if you want to spend, if you do want a 75-inch 8K TV, but a nano-cell version rather than the OLED version, you can pick a 75-inch nano-cell 8K TV up for $10,199. It would still look amazing, not, not as quite as good as OLED, but still, wow, 8K, 75-inch nano-cell. And I've seen this TV too, it's a cracker, but that that's closer to people's budgets, even that, that might be a bit high for some people, 10000 199 bucks. There's a 65 inch 8K uh, 8 nano cell for 7,000. Cheapest 8K TV you can buy from from LG is the 65 inch nano cell 8K, which is 5,399 bucks. And that sounds expensive, but a couple of years ago that price was nine thousand dollars. So they are prices are coming down. 4K, of course, is going to be the most popular format here, and their 4K range, the top of the line 4K, is their new gallery OLED, which is they've OLED is naturally thin already, so the format because there's no backlight on OLED, it just gives them opens up the design possibilities. So what they've done, they've created the gallery range of 4K, and what that means is that the TV is mounted on the wall so flush to the wall that it's like a painting. And it is it sits on the wall. It's it's less than a couple of centimeters off the wall. That's how closely mounted it can be. Because it's thin to start with. It's got a very thin mount. So it's like it's like you're looking hanging up a painting on the wall. It is that close to the wall. That's the gallery range. Top of the line there is a 77-inch model. That's 11,399 bucks, and that comes out in May as well. They've got a 65 and a 55 in the OLED gallery range as well. Five triple nine for the 65, 4,139 for the 55, and the 65 and 55 4K OLED gallery TVs will be available later this month. Now the rest of the range of the regular 4K OLEDs there that that that, that sit on a a, a a a entertainment unit you can mount them as well but these are kind of what what I'm calling the regular 4K OLED the biggest one there is the 77 inch and that's 10,199 bucks they've got a 65 inch for 53 trip 5399 55 inch for 3959 and they've also got now these are there's there's a CX that the CX OLEDs are sort of the upper the, the 
better OLEDs, but they've also got a BX range as well, OLED 65BX, so 65-inch 2020 TV, 4799 bucks, which is actually not bad. OLED 55-inch, 3599 bucks, And, of course, they've also got all of the, those, again, in NanoCell. So 4K NanoCell, the biggest TV you can get is 86 inches, and that's 7439 bucks, and that goes all the way down to a 55-inch, uh, $1,799. And they've also got normal UHD, which is a step down from NanoCell, so it's their regular range. Uh, kind of like the the Samsung RU series, so they that th- they also have an 86 there UHD 4K 86 inch the UN81 that's called 4869, which is not bad I think. Uh, all the way down, they've got a 43 inch for 1,079 bucks. All these prices, by the way, and all these details are on Tech Guide. So there's a grid at the bottom of my story that lets you look at everything I've just spoken to and. Credit to LG, they've actually named price for every TV that they're releasing. What Samsung has done is they announced some pricing with a lot of TBAs to be announced in terms of pricing for their 8K TVs. I think they're waiting for LG to pull the trigger first, and then they'll come out with their prices in a few weeks. But LG, again, to their credit, has listed every single price. Now, some of the features you're going to find, naturally, the 2020 TVs have the new features, of course. And these are... Yeah, there's the latest processor. There's the the Gen 3 Alpha 9 processor, which has it's an AI processor, so increase increased processing power, deep learning algorithms that improve picture and sound quality in real time. Now, if you're a real if you want to enjoy true cinematic experience, there's a new there's new Dolby Vision IQ, and there's also a new filmmaker mode. So movies are shown exactly as the filmmaker intended. So it's, it, it sets it up. The TV settings will match the look of what the filmmaker intended for you to see. So that, that I think that's exciting as well. Now on the gaming side, the LG TVs are NVIDIA G-Sync compatible. So graphics are rendered accurately and in line with the TV's refresh rate. So none of this lag that you're going to get playing games, the, especially the OLED, that's really going to get you very keep you very competitive, especially if you're playing online. A lot of features there. Of course, too, access to content is is uh, really important here. And LG TV offer from the TV access not only to Netflix and Stan, but also to Apple TV+, Disney+, Amazon Prime, all from the LG Home Launcher. Uh, some 2019 TVs are also going to get that update, which will bring Apple TV. I think we spoke about that a few weeks ago as well. Uh, and some 2018 TVs may also get the Apple TV update soon also. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, but in the meantime, LG's TVs, they some of them are in store already. They're In the next couple of days, you should start seeing them. The 2020 range of LG TVs, and as I said, all the pricing, the availability, screen sizes, model numbers, 8K, 4K, you name it, is in our story. So check it out. But you know what? I've got a tip. If you're after a TV and you want to maybe save some money, check out the 2019 TVs. They're all going on special. They're all going on sale to make way for these new 2020 models. But check it out. If you want to see all of those TV prices, there's a massive grid at the bottom of our story at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. 
They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Now, is your Wi-Fi feeling old? Does it buffer while streaming? Does connecting new devices slow it down? Can it handle gaming, video calls, large file transfers? And what happens when you try to do all of that at once? It doesn't matter how fast your internet connection is. If your Wi-Fi router is old and outdated, then you need the Wi-Fi, the Net Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6. It will make your Wi-Fi feel new again. Wi-Fi 6 is the latest tech that allows more devices to connect and stream simultaneously without impacting speed or reliability. The result delivers the fastest Wi-Fi for all your devices anywhere in your home. So you can stream in HD, 4K, even 8K. Remember we were talking about the LG TVs. 8K without buffering. It eliminates lag while gaming and you connect more devices to your Wi-Fi than ever before. Orbit Wi-Fi 6 is like upgrading your Wi-Fi to first class. Stream in HD, all those things we're doing. You have better Wi-Fi to help you do it as best as it can be. If you're ready for Netgear's best Wi-Fi ever, you can get it today from Netgear and never worry about Wi-Fi again. Check out Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 at netgear.com.au forward slash Wi-Fi 6. That's netgear.com slash Wi-Fi and the number 6. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Our Tech Guide review this week, we thought we'd take a look at the Alcatel 3X. Now, this is a smartphone from Alcatel that costs just 299 bucks. Now, wait till I tell you what's on board. It has a 6.52 HD Plus display, a triple camera system. It has a fingerprint reader, it has face unlock. It also has dual SIM 4G and a massive 4,000 milliamp hour battery. Now, I used this phone for a, a week straight. It was my daily driver for a week. And I would always love showing this phone. I would show people when I could at a social distance. I'd say, can you see this okay from two meters away? And I would say, look, here's what, here's what it has. All those features that I just told you. And I would ask people, what do you reckon you'd pay for something like this? And the responses range from 599 all the way up to someone said 899 that they would pay for that. I wish I, I wish I had one to sell. I would have sold one for 899. But can you imagine the look on their faces when I said it's 299 bucks? And they oh, they said, I've got to take a look at it. So they got out the hand sanitizer, <laughs> they put it in their hands. And they rolled it around in their hands and they were thinking, wow, they were just amazed. And I'm thinking, they were thinking not only, wow, this is pretty decent value, but they also were also thinking, I promise you, I, st I spent 1500 on a phone that does exactly what this does. Why did I do that? So uh, it, is, it is typical Alcatel. They've proven time and time again that you don't have to spend massive money to get a decent phone. So let's go through the features here. And as I said, I use this as my daily driver. So this was my phone for a week, and it was great. So design-wise, I was very impressed. It's got these nice rounded rounded edges, textured rounded edges, sort of like a brushed metal look to the edges, glass rear panel as well. Thin, 8.4 millimeters thick as well. The screen is an IPS, which is in-plane switching, LCD screen. So it's not AMOLED. It, uh, it's, it's not... That would have maybe added to the cost, but it's still the screen looked remarkable. 
had a resolution of 1,600 by 700, 6.52 inches inside. Looked great. The apps look good. Websites look good. Videos, photos look terrific. And it's also, here's how Alcatel can offer devices that are, that are on the cheaper side, is because everything's made in-house. The screen is made by their parent company, TCL. That's one of the world's biggest TV manufacturers. So they make the displays in-house. They don't have to source them. So that saves on the cost. I think top, top to tail, components are all made in-house as well. That's why they can make it at such a low price. The front of the screen also had a little notch for the front-facing 8-megapixel camera. But let's talk about the rear camera, triple camera system, 16-megapixel wide-angle, 8-megapixel ultra-wide, and a 5-megapixel depth-sensing lens, which is really cool for your portrait shots the, that gives you that bokeh effect. And the, the photos, you can check the photos out on my review on Tech Guide, looked fantastic. And... As I said, I use this for a week. I was using this to post photos to, to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. I was using it everywhere. Not once did people ask me, "What well, are you using a different phone? Your photos, they look different. Not one person asked me that. They didn't notice it. So my point is that if you are using your photo, your phone for social media, whatever you're using it, just like me, like, I didn't get receive an email reply saying, oh, did you send this from a different phone? It feels different. They didn't they didn't ask me that because they couldn't tell it was different. It was. It did the same job as a phone that costs eight times as much. Now, oh, granted, the quality, it doesn't have an OLED screen, an AMOLED screen. It's not water resistant. It doesn't have a hundred times zoom. The camera megapixel count is is a lot lower than those other phones but that's why those other phones are expensive because they have those other features they have those other things that make it those features that drive up the price now alcatel have created a list of features that i think are pretty impressive and that punch way above their weight the the fingerprint reader on the back is just as fast as a fingerprint reader on a on a phone that costs 1500 bucks it's fast even the face ID, the face unlock, was instant. It wasn't like I'm waiting five seconds for this to unlock my phone. The face ID was almost as fast as an iPhone's face ID. So it was it was decent as well. And as I said, the quality of the photos, you judge for yourself. I've shared a few on Tech Guide that are on my review that look pretty impressive. So uh, really, not the, the phone even lets you, in the camera on the phone, lets you even have, there's manual mode. So you can even adjust the ISO and exposure if you really want to roll your sleeves up and take control of your photos. It allows you to do that as well. Even shooting video, you can shoot full high def at 30 frames per second on a phone that costs 299 bucks. Performance-wise, it's got an octa-core processor with 4 gig of RAM, 64 gig of internal memory, but it has a micro SD card slot if you want to expand that even further. So that's pretty good as well. Uh, so th that's another thing you pay for is that some phones have 16 gig of RAM and 512 gig of memory. They, they're the little things that add up and, and make your phone cost a little bit more. Now, as I said, it's a dual SIM as well. So dual physical SIM. So you can have a second SIM there. Instead of having a micro SD card, you can have a second SD uh, SIM card. Uh, so you can have two numbers. So the ideal scenario example I'll give you is, a, say, a tradie with a phone number, a private phone number, and a business phone number. So they can carry one device instead of having car to carry two phones. So they can have their work number and private number 
on the same product. So the 3X, the Alcatel 3X, can handle that as well. Now, it, uh, yeah, I did wait maybe a half second for some apps to open. It wasn't as instant as the iPhone 11 Pro, but it basically did the same job. Like, it, it, it really, that wasn't a deal breaker for me. It was hardly noticeable, to be honest. So, uh, you know, I was still able to pair the Alcatel 3X in my car to play my podcast, to play my audiobooks, to play my music, paired it with wire-free earphones, listen to my music just as well as I could on a flagship phone as well. So all those things that people are, are ticking off on their list of things that a phone has to do, this has done that. Now, as I said, it's, got, it, it, it's not water-resistant, and there are some other features. Obviously, the camera strength is not as good as a flagship, but it does have a good battery. The 4,000 milliamp hour battery was a day and a half, nearly two days of use. So nice big battery, a lot of power, a lot of usage there. Uh, it doesn't have an AMOLED display, doesn't have all that extra RAM. So you, you can, if, if I was to show you one phone opening up an app next to another phone, the Alcatel phone opening up an app, uh, you probably won't notice it. So... Who is this phone for? It, obviously, for, if you want to save a, a little bit of money, you want to, you know, you might be cutting costs. Like in, in this, in this time we're living in now, unfortunately, people are out of work and uh, their, their money's tight. They're going to really look at devices like a smartphone and, and think, well, if I can cut costs there, then people are going to try to do that. So it, it, it is, uh, I think punches way, way above its weight and is something that when people see this in their hands, they, they, they were very impressed. Every person I showed it to said, wow, that's only 299 bucks. Where do I get that from? It's available from JB Hi-Fi. Uh, it is, again, proves that Alcatel once again have proved that you don't have to spend big money to get the latest features. It will hold its own against other devices that, costs, that cost thousands of dollars. 299 bucks, the Alcatel 3X. You can buy it now from JB Hi-Fi. You can read our complete review at techguide.com.au. Well, next up, we're going to talk about a projector. And at the, at the moment, you can't go to the movies. Can't do that. But you can set up a cinema in your own home without breaking the bank and to do that you can use the BenQ TH585 projector. Now BenQ a lot of people are familiar with the brand they make great monitors I actually use one of their monitors and they also they're also the global number one DLP that's digital light processor projector brand in the world. So they make they make some good, even good uh, 4K projectors they're a bit more expensive than this one but uh, they are a brand that is recognised in the projector space. And what they've done is they've put together the TH585. It's a full HD projector. It's on 4K projector that obviously costs more. But here is a solution, an all-in-one solution that can just be hooked up to a Blu-ray player or a DVD player and you've got a cinema in your home. So it's an all-in-one solution. It's got speakers on board. It's obviously got the projector on board. It's got all the connections you need, HDMI. Uh, it's got USB. If you've got a USB drive or a thumb drive with content on it you want to watch, it can also do that. can connect a gaming console. So if you want to play games on, on, a, on, the bigger, on a bigger scale, you can connect your Xbox or your PlayStation, the console. It's got a 16 millisecond response time too, which for a projector is actually pretty good. So virtually no lag there. Uh, 
Uh, so it's got full 1080p, full HD definition. It's got 3,500 lumens brightness. And at that brightness, that's actually bright enough to use during the day. So you don't have to draw all the curtains. It can actually project an image that's bright enough to appreciate during, obviously it looks better in the dark, but you could even use it in the middle of the day in a bright room. That's that's the, how bright that is. Through three thousand five hundred lumens, uh, it, it achieves ninety five percent of the REC seven hundred nine color space. So it's full HD color space. So your picture quality is going to be really crisp and accurate. Uh, there's also an eco eco lamp mode. So it's an energy saving lamp mode. So the lamp will last up to fifteen thousand hours in eco mode, or four thousand hours in normal mode. That's a lot of movies. Now. The installation of this is really a, it's simple, out of the box, set and forget. Whether you mount it on the ceiling or rest it on a coffee table, it's really easy to set up thanks to the digital vertical lens shift. So you can easily position whether you want to beam it up on a wall or buy a screen, up to you. It'll work either way. Very easy to set up uh, and control as well. Uh, and as I said, you can control game consoles. Blu-ray players, DVD players through the HDMI ports and has the USB port to play video content from a USB drive. It's also possible to connect the projector to a PC. So maybe you want to give a presentation or you want to watch some content from your, your computer, you can do that as well. Now, how much you would expect the TH585 to cost? Uh, this is a full high-definition projector from BenQ, brand new. So out of the box, it's got 10-watt speakers as well, as I said. So audio is provided as well. So you don't have to connect multiple speakers connected to an expensive receiver. It's an out-of-the-box solution, instant cinema. The BenQ TH585 is priced at $1,399. It's available now if you want to turn your home into a cinema. You can't go to a public cinema. You won't be able to do that for months yet. So, But if you want to have the big screen experience in your home at an affordable price, the BenQ TH585 full HD projector could be the one for you. Check out our story at techguide.com.au. Next up, we're looking at the PlayStation 5 wire, wireless touch controller. Now, this is called the DualSense controller. We were given a sneak peek last week. Sony revealed first glimpse of the DualSense wireless gaming controller that's going to be used with the upcoming PlayStation 5 that is due for release. They say holidays 2020, which we're thinking is Christmas time. So it's going to be a bumper Christmas uh, if that is. Hopefully it's not delayed by the coronavirus and all these dramas we're seeing now uh, because I'm really anxious to get this in my hands. And this is just the controller, by the way. We still don't know what the actual PlayStation 5 is going to look like. There's pictures of it on Tech Guide, but I'm going to describe it to you now. Uh, it is, it's white, so it's got dual tone, black and white. Still has your traditional D-pad, your PlayStation buttons. Uh, has a, a, different, a different trigger system. So there's what they call new adaptive triggers. So what they allow you to do is to feel the tension of your actions. Now, the best way I can describe that is imagine drawing a bow to shoot an arrow. So you're going to feel the tension in the in the string, in the, in the cord, whatever you call it. Um, that's what this is designed to do. So Sony wants players to feel like this controller is an extension of themselves. 
So they've already given this, by the way, to developers so that they can adapt their games to these new features. So that sense of touch, the haptic feedback, these new adaptive triggers, that's going to hopefully add a little bit more to the gameplay. Now, the other challenge they found was to design the controller was that they had they had all these added features, but they didn't want to add to the bulk or size of the controller. And they, I think they've done it. They've, they've offered a controller that actually feels smaller than it looks. They've changed the angle of the hand triggers. They've updated the grips as well. So they've done a really good job there. The other factor in play was offering longer battery life. Because you know how you got to charge up your your normally if you played for a, a long session you got to charge up your, your the controller again. What they've managed to do is offer a higher battery capacity, while at the same time reducing the weight of the controller. So that's that's an achievement right there. There's also no more share button. There's a sh- dedicated share button. I think it's on the left hand side of the controller. Uh, that's been replaced now with a create button. So you can still create and share your gameplay content. It just won't be called share. It's now going to be called create. Now, also on board is a microphone array on the DualSense controller, which means players can chat with their friends and competitors without a headset. So it's all of that in the palm of your hand microphone without the need to wear a headset. I reckon that's a cool feature too. Uh, the two-tone design, I'm a fan. I think it looks quite nice. It, it looks like a first-order Stormtrooper is what I'm going to say. Sort of same black and white tones there. Uh, I know everything comes down to Star Wars for me. I know. But you know what? I'm really looking forward to getting this in my hand. The PlayStation 5 hopefully will be out by Christmas this year. But if you want to check out the new controller, the DualSense controller, you can see that right now at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton, the company that can keep you and your family and your devices safe online. Now, we're living in a world where we're constantly connected and there are cyber attacks uh, more prevalent than ever. We spoke about them earlier in the show. From phishing scams and ransomware to online predators and big data tracking your every move, cyber threats have evolved. We spoke about it today. That's why Norton has evolved too. The new Norton 360 gives you next level protection. It combines the power of device security with a secure VPN to help keep you and your family safe and private online. The new Norton 360 is all-in-one protection for your devices and online privacy. It's available now at leading retailers or au.norton.com. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk is brought to you by our good mates at Belkin. Uh, check out their website, belkin.com forward slash au. If you're after a charger, a battery, cables, you name it, they sell it. Belkin will help you. Uh, in fact, the first thing that we were asked about on the Help Desk this week was uh, a gentleman who uses his iPad a lot for work. He said, look, I, I'm, I travel a fair bit. I do a lot of work with the iPad and I need to charge it on the move. And, and the car, charging in the car wasn't doing the trick. So the recommendation there is to buy a battery, and Belkin sell plenty of them, and a battery, though, that can output 2.4 amps. That, that's the sort of output you need for your tablet. The reason his car wasn't charging it as fast because it was probably a 1-amp charge output, and that's kind of a trickle charge for a tablet, so it won't really recharge much. But a battery with 2.4, so a portable battery, uh, you connect your cable, 2.4-amp output, that will charge your tablet on the move. Now, the second question... And I get, I get asked this question a fair bit 
I think there's some ads that appear for it. Uh, it's the photo stick. I've been asked so many times, is uh, do you recommend this? Is it any good? Look, I haven't heard any good things about it. I've heard mixed mixed reports. Uh, it's basically, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, it's basically, it's been described as an overpriced USB thumb drive with an app that can take your photos off your phone and move them onto the drive. That's basically what it is. There's no real organization tools there. Uh, it, it, it is, uh, some people have said that it's, uh, they don't know if it works. The photo stick icon doesn't show up on their desktop. Uh, one person, I'm, I'm looking at a forum here, one person described it as a ripoff, total ripoff, elaborate scam. I fell for it. I would, really would like to find a way of pursuing these people. So look, where there's smoke, there's fire. If it's the photo stick you're after, I haven't really heard anyone recommend it. I know there's a few fake reviews. If you Google photo stick review, there's a few fake reviews that I think the company's put up there or paid to put up there. So be very careful. There are solutions to sort out your photos. You don't need photo stick. You can do it on your device. There are apps you can download on your computer, on your mobile device. Save one set of of photos to the cloud, your master set of photos to the cloud, and that's a solution in itself there. But be very careful with the photo stick. We don't want you getting ripped off. We don't want your security compromised. I've heard about data and security compromises as well. Uh, I haven't heard, as I said, many good things about photo stick, so my tip to you would be to avoid it. That's the full-time siren for this week, and oh, it makes me miss the footy when I say that. Uh, they've, they've set a May 28 return date for the NRL, for any NRL fans out there. Uh, I, I think May 28, I, I applaud the fact they've set themselves a goal. Whether they meet the goal and everything falls into place is yet to be seen, but uh, I think uh, credit to them for setting that goal. We'll see if that works out. Everything we've spoken about on the show, you can find, of course, at our website, techguide.com.au. And we love for you to get in touch with us. Email us at info at techguide.com.au or click on the Ask Stephen icon at our website. That'll open up a form which will allow you to send me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. A special thanks to, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs. Their Wi-Fi 6 products are amazing. And Norton, the company that can protect you and your family online. We spoke about cyber threats and more more than ever you need cyber security, internet security software, and Norton is the best of the bunch. Please support the sponsors who support us. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.